What's up, everybody? Welcome to God Talk. Today, we want to talk about trusting God when life is hard. Uh, that seems to be something that we all struggle with, we all face today. In today's world society is that we, uh, uh, you know, life gets hard. And so we struggle with trusting God when life's hard. So I want to pose a question to you. The question I want to pose to you is actually the question is actually what we're talking about today. And that is, um, do you trust God when life is hard? I want you to think about that during this talk today and just again. So when we're thinking about trusting God when life is hard, how do we go about trusting God when life is hard? Do we even do it? Well, the real answer is no, we usually don't. We usually don't trust God when life gets rough, when life hits us down and we hit trials in our life. We usually don't. We usually just keep him on the back of our shelf and just ignore him and act like he doesn't exist or he's not even real. Um, because what we what we tend to go through in life is we tend to think that when we struggle, when we're in suffering, when we're in situations of pain, and we're in situations in which we're broken down and we're torn apart and we're and we're totally just kind of like having a bad day and can't handle it. We tend to toss God out of the picture, thinking that magically by tossing God out, we're we're gonna be okay. And to be honest, we're we're not, because when you look back at the at the basis of it all. We're basically tossing out the very foundation in which we're supposed to base our life upon, and that's Jesus himself. And, and in order to have a solid foundation to withstand the storms and the wind and the rain is, is to build your life upon the foundation of God and God's word. And, and it's just like that parable in the Bible where Jesus talks about the man that built his house on the rock. And, and the man that built his house on the sand. And when the, when the wind and the rain and the storms came, the man that built his house on the sand, it fell over. It 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 went away. It, it vanished. It's gone. His house fell apart because he he didn't have a basis to to really dig roots, dig deep roots. It's like a tree. It's like a tree. You know, when a tree's planted, the tree over time they dig their roots deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground, so that way, uh, you know, it has a good root base to hold it up, to hold it right up as it gets bigger and heavier. And it's just like the man that built his house on the sand. When he built his house on the sand, he had no basis. He had no ground. He had no foundation for his life. He just built his house expecting that it was going to be okay because that man was building his house exactly on the world. He was building his house on the world's view, the world's mindsets, and the world's ways, and, and the way the world seems to react and go about handling situations of struggles and pain. And that's how he built his life upon it. And then when those storms came, he couldn't withstand them. He had no way to withstand them because there was no fundamental structure that was keeping his house secure to where he was planted. But when you look at the guy who built his house on the rock, you know, you see he had a good form foundation on God's word and God. And you see that his foundation was strong. His foundation structure was was withstandable because no matter when the winds, winds or the rain or the storms arose, it was able to withstand that because he had a really solid foundation that he was able to build his house. It's when you build a house. It's just like building a house. You know, you got you to gotta build it on a strong foundation to hold it up. You can't just start putting up, you know, walls and stuff on just wood, on just dirt and and just grass and sand and stuff because it's not going to build. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to withstand the test of time. But when you build your house on a nice concrete, a nice foundation, where you got a nice solid foundation to put it all towards, then it's going to stand forever because with that nice foundation, you have something to to plant yourself into. You have something that 
that basically holds you up that 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 basically supports you and and kind of ties it all together and it and it keeps you um in a spot where when the storms and rains and trials of life hit you you're not going to fall over and that's why we are to build our lives and build our foundations upon God's word and God himself, because through that, we can withstand test of times. But I want to go back to kind of what I was talking, um, you know, in the beginning. And that is that is sometimes we tend to toss God on our shelf and act like he's insist, which is true. We do that. We do that continually. Most of the time when we're hitting, when we're hitting trials, when we're hitting struggles, when we're hitting tribulations in our life, we're taking God and we're putting him on the backside. We're putting him on a back burner. We're, we're tossing God on the shelf saying, get out of my way. Get out of here. I don't need you. I don't want you because you're the problem. And see, that's the twisted, that's the messed up mindset because we're we're tossing God out thinking he's the problem when he's actually the care. Because when you look at it, why would God cause us to hurt? Why would God cause us to suffer? Why would God cause us to be in pain? Okay? Why would God blatantly just want us to be that way? You know, that's that that you know that's the question I'm posing. Why would God want us to be that way? Why would God want us to hurt? Why would God want us to be in pain? And why would God do this to us? Because that's the very good question that everyone has, and everyone's asking: Why would God allow this? Well, one, He allows it to grow us. He allows us to come to a point in life where we have to realize one world. We're sinners in need of God's saving grace, that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Two, he wants to grow us. He wants to mature us. And he wants to transform us and change us. So he is allowing trials and, and situations and suffering in our lives so we can be transformed and changed by the renewing of the Spirit, by Jesus himself, so we can go on to the next part of life that he has called us to do. Because, because if you don't suffer and you don't go through trials, you're not growing. If life's great, when life is great, what do you learn? Nothing. When life's hard, what do you learn? Something. And here's why. Because you learn, you learn about yourself. You learn about your weaknesses. You learn about your strengths. But you learn about who God is and who God is to you in those moments of trials. Because here's the question, here's the thing about a trial, and that when you go through a trial, you understand exactly why Jesus going to that cross and dying for your sins is so important. You understand exactly why you've been set free. You understand exactly why. You need Jesus more than ever. You understand exactly why you got to rely on him 24-7, 365 days a year. You understand exactly just how much Christ loves you. You understand exactly just how merciful and gracious he is towards you. We understand those things in our trials. We we go through a trial and we see that, that we are in need of God's living, loving and saving grace. We do. We we notice that. And for those of us that are saved and born again and and uh, you know have juice in our heart living within us, then when we go through trials, we're reminded of what God went through for us. It's a re- when we go through trials as a born again believer in Jesus Christ, when we hit a trial life, we should be reminded of what Jesus went through for us. Because remember this, I want you to remember this, and that is every trial you go through is the victory that God has given you. Because through every trial, there's a victory waiting. And what I mean by that is the fact that when you suffer, when you go through a situation, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's losing job, 
losing your job, whether it's financial struggle, whether it's uh, dealing with a troubled kid in your family, whether it's your, your you know, your, you know, divorce, whatever it is you're facing, God's going to use that as a victory because you're going to come across someone in life who struggles, who goes through areas just like that, who who's been there. Who's going through it right now, and you, as someone who's already been in those situations, situation, you can help them by sharing the great love of Jesus. Say, hey, here's how I got through my problems. Here's how I got through my trials. Here's who I got through my situation with God, and here's how here's what He did for me. And and so through that, it's a victory because you're able to show the example of Christ's love. But also within that trial, it you know it's a victory based on how you react to it. Because you can change the heart of a sinner just by simply your reacting your 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 actions in the trial, and that is how to react to the trial. Are you praising God in the midst of your suffering? Because that's something we all should do in life. Is we should all come to a point in life when when we're suffering, when we're in trials, when we're in pain, and when we're so much so hurting, we should we should praise God in it. Because it's in our darkest hour. Where God shows us our brightest day. And that's him. And see, it's like David. You know, you notice when David um, went through his trials, he cried out to God for help. Yeah, he had questions and asked, why God? Why are you doing this to me? Why have you forsaken me? But he also praised God in his trials because he knew that God was there. It's just like Job. When Job went through his trials, when he lost everything, his family, fame, his fortune, the whole shebang. When he lost it all, everyone said, curse God and die. He never did that. There was moments where he wanted and started to doubt God a little, but he always knew God was faithful. He always knew God was going to protect him. He always knew God was there for him. He always knew that no matter what God, what life threw at him, it wasn't going to bother him because he knew how great God was. He knew that God was so good and that God was so loving towards him that God had a plan and there's a light at the end of this tunnel. So what did Job do? He praised God in his trials. What do we do? We praise God. We should praise God in our trials because it's in our trials where we experience the fullness of God. It's in our suffering, in our weakest moments when Christ comes to us and reveals himself fully to us to show us that we are in need of God's saving, loving grace. And that's when he shows us how important that cross is and how important we are to him. That he loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on that cross to, to save us from our sins so he can rise again in three days so we can have eternal life and spend eternity with Jesus. That's what we should that's what our trials bring us. Our trials remind us of who God is. Our trials remind us of exactly what we've been going through, of exactly what God went through for us. And what the cool thing is, and I find this really cool is, is that is when Jesus suffered and went through his trial, as he was being beaten, and as he was being carrying that cross through the town, and he was going up to Skull Hill to, to be put up on the cross. And as we turned our back on God and we, we we cursed him and told him to die and we were yelling crucify him and we were putting him up there because of our sins, he still looked down and loved us. Because he took his love and he showed us the greatest example of Christ's love is when he when he is when he rose again with the gift of eternal life. But you want to know something that a lot of people don't talk about? <laughs> And this is true. A lot of people don't talk about this, and that is the fact of something Jesus said. Something else Jesus did because he loved us. And you know what that is? It's when he was laying on that cross. What did he do? 
He looked up to the, he looked up to heaven and said, "Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they have done." And that's what he did. He went on behalf of the Father, asking God's forgiveness to us for us. It's just like it's just like when when Moses went on behalf of Israel to God, asking for forgiveness for Israel because they were despising God, they were cursing God, they were hating everything God's blessed the, the blessings of God. They were coming against God, and when when God sent the venomous snakes to wipe them out, they got scared. They said, "Okay, we realize we've messed up, so go be on behalf of us to God." And so Moses did. It's just like that. But see, we didn't ask Jesus to go on behalf of us. Jesus went on behalf of us anyway because he loved us, because he knew we needed saving. He knew we needed forgiveness. And he conquered it. He wiped away our sin. He wiped the slate clean and said, here's the free gift of salvation. Take it. Accept me. Because I love you and I want you to be a part of my family. That's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be a part of his family. You know, he, he's our father in heaven. He's our dad. He he loves us unconditionally. That he gave his life for us. And I know a lot of you guys that are listening into this and, and stuff, you know, have dads. And have dads that love you unconditionally and have dads that would give their life for you. And some of you, you know, you don't. You know, you don't have an earthly father who would act that way. But I'm saying that you have a heavenly father who would. You have a heavenly father who sacrificed everything for Oh wait, he did. That's called the cross. He went to the cross and sacrificed everything to set you free from your sins. Because when you were sitting before the judge and you were put on death row and you were sentenced to death, Jesus intervened on your behalf and said, No, I will take their death. I will take their punishment. I will take their sentence for them. So the judge looked at him and said, Okay. You're free to go, Jesus, to take him into custody. He took him into custody. They beat him to death. They put him on death row. He killed him. But in order for us to have salvation and be set free from our from the trials of life, it took God going to the cross to die. So that we could be set free through his life. And what I mean by that is it took God it took Jesus going to the cross, dying, and rising in three days to give us a shot at eternal life. That's what it did. Because Jesus loves us so unconditionally. That's what he did for us. And there's nothing in this world we can ever do to cause love to cause God not to love us. That could cause God to love seeing less because his love is unconditional. His love is everlasting. His love is, goes as far as the east is from the west. And so when we suffer, when we go through trials in life, and when we hit those difficult moments in time where we where we just struggle with God and we struggle in life directly, and because whether it's going through divorce, whether it's going through um, you know, the loss of a loved one, whatever it is you're facing in life, trust God and know that He has a grander plan design for your life. Because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There is always life. And so you can suffer. And you can you can suffer so much. You can go through life and hit rock bottom, but it does you no good if you're not understanding that Christ loves you regardless. And if you're not understanding exactly what Christ did for you. 
Because when we suffer, I look at it this way. When we suffer, it's like experiencing just a small, tiny, little, tiny speck glimpse of what Jesus experienced. And through suffering comes understanding. Without suffering, you have no understanding because when you suffer, you understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that you are forgiven, that Christ loved you so much that he gave his only son on that cross to set you free from your sins because Jesus cares so much about you. And it's through suffering that we find our hope. It's through our trials that we see who we are. In Christ. It's through our suffering where we find hope. I want to say that again. It is in suffering where we find hope. And who's that hope? Jesus. Where is that hope found? At the foot of the cross. With a man that's not on the cross. That's standing in front of the cross. With his arms open wide. Welcoming us into his family. Telling us he loves us. Hugging us and holding us tight. And never letting us go. So it's when you go through life trials and life suffering. Trust God. Know that what you go through in life. God has a grand design and plan for that trial. Because he wants to grow you. Transform you. Renew you. Lead you. Guide you. And teach you. And take you to places you've never been before. In places only God can take you. That's what God does. God does. That's what Jesus does. Because he loves us unconditionally. And he goes before us. He shows us that love greatly. To the outpouring of the cross. So it's like the question that I started on. It's. Why we need to trust Jesus when life's hard. Why we need to. And here's why we need to. It's like I've said before. We need to trust Jesus when life's hard. Because he loves us. He cares for us. And he's not there to hurt us. But he's there to build us up, to transform us, to teach us, to train us, and to lead us and guide us into which the way he wants us to what go. Jesus has a plan for our lives. We have to choose to accept that plan. We have to choose to accept it and know that being with Christ, there are trials. See, what Jesus said, you know what Jesus said? Those people to us, that people who come to me, people that are with me, will be persecuted, will suffer in my name. He, he says that. You can see it in John, how Jesus talks about that, how we will suffer with Jesus. How as long as we are associated with Christ, we will suffer with Christ. But see, that should be an honor. That should be a privilege, a privilege that we that we're honored to go to war with Christ. And here's why. Because the devil is so angry and irritated that we have anything to do with Christ that he's trying to pull us away. Because we have something he doesn't want us to have, and that's Jesus himself. And so every time you struggle and you, and you hit a trial in life, you're going to battle. You, you, you're fighting 
the flesh, you're fighting the world, you're fighting everything. And through that, you're going to use the greatest weapon of all, and that's Jesus. Because you're going to turn, you're going to, and we should turn, we should cry out to God and say, Lord, come to me, I need your help. It's like what it says in Psalms 121, verses 1 and 2, how we're to lift our eyes to the hills. For that's where help comes from. For help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's in our trials where we should look to God and say, Lord, and cry out to God and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need to be set free from who I am. I need to be set free from this situation. I need you to come to me. I need help. I can't face this on my own. I can't fight this on my own. I need you. We're calling for backup. And Christ is going to come. He's going to help you. And there's going to be moments when you're suffering. There's going to be moments when you go on trial. And there's going to be moments in your situation where you feel like God doesn't answer your prayers. Where you feel like maybe God's not there. Maybe he's for, maybe He's abandoned me. Maybe, maybe he's forsaken me. Maybe he's forgot all about me. Maybe I don't mean nothing to God. Maybe he doesn't exist. Maybe... Maybe I've been believing a lie all my life because I'm just I'm sitting here praying. I'm asking God's not answering, but I want to say it this way, and that is sometimes God is God's not going to answer the prayers the way you want them to be answered because He knows it's not the way you need. And here's why: because God doesn't give us what we want; He gives us what we need. He's not giving us what we want because if He gave us what we want, if He gave us exactly what we wanted every time, what's the point of God? We never grow. We never learn. Because we know we're going to be some spoiled brat child. But because God doesn't give us what we need and gives us what we want. Because, I mean, ugh, sorry about that. I got that backwards. Because God doesn't give us what we want, but gives us what we need. That's how we're transformed. Because he's given us stuff that is going to build us, that is going to transform us, that is going to grow us spiritually, that is going to grow us mentally, physically, that is just going to grow us into who God wants us to be for the next calling of life, whatever that may be. And so because God doesn't give us what we want and gives us what we need, we should praise him for it because it's in those moments of life. Where we realize that we are so dependent on God. That we cannot function in life. We cannot operate in life. We cannot survive in life without Christ. That we are a creation, a creation designed solely to rely on their heavenly creator for every aspect of their life. That's what we are. We're fearfully and wonderfully made in the Amazing image of Jesus Christ. That's where our identity is found. Our identity is not found in the world. Our identity is not found in the situations we face. Our identity is not found in, in us. Our identity is not found in the things we own, the money, the fame, the fortune, any of that. Our identity is found in Christ and who Jesus is. And that's who Jesus is when he went to the cross and he died and rose again in three days for our sins. Our identity is found in our Heavenly Father because we are created in the almighty image of God himself. We got crafted us each individual unique with his own two hands. It's like they say, you know, there's no two fingerprints alike. That makes you unique. 
You're unique in your own way. Because God created you unique. Because he loves you. So so don't let your situation determine who you are. Let God determine who you are. Because your situation shouldn't tell you the person you become. Your situation shouldn't tell you who you are. Your situation should only tell you that you need Jesus. And you know what else it should tell you? It should tell you that you have been redeemed. By Christ's, by Christ's great love. It's through Christ. We're made new again. It's through him. We're set free. And it's through Jesus. We're made righteous. And see, we're creating masterpiece in God's eyes. Because once we come to Christ, we're a great masterpiece. You know, we start a life living two stories. And it's a story of before Christ, after Christ. Some people still live in the before Christ story. They never change it. But we have two stories of what life can be like with Jesus and without Jesus. And we got to choose which one we want to follow. We can take the storyline of living our life for the world and, and for the things of this world and apart from God. Or we can choose to live a life where we're solely and surrendered to God, where we're serving him every each and every day. And we're investing our time and our life in the things of, the, of God, and the things of heaven, the things of him. Because remember this. All good works done outside God's name mean nothing to him. They mean nothing. So you can go to heaven one day and you can say, oh, Lord, look what I've done. Look what I did here and there. But as long as you don't know Jesus, they mean nothing. It's the works and the things you do in God's name that means something to him. And here's why. Because you can't just say, well, okay, what do you mean by doing things in God's name? doesn't mean, you know, by me sitting there saying, okay, we're going to we're gonna sit there. Hey, we're going to go raise money for the homeless shelter. We're going to do it in God's name. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you come to Christ and you're truly transformed and changed by the power and blood of Jesus Christ, you won't do things for self-gratification. You'll be so moved to go do things for Jesus, for his glory, not yours. That means you want to go out and make a difference in your community and your world. Because your heart's been changed. And as Christians, I'm going to lay this flat out. Some people are going to listen to this, and they're not going to want to hear this. Because this is something that a lot of preachers, a lot of churches tend to deny and don't want to speak on. And that is the fact that because they're afraid of hurting someone's feelings. And it's like, really? Who cares about their feelings? Who honestly does? I'm not sitting here worried about whether I'm making this person happy or that person happy. I'm worried about, about making God happy. And that's all that matters to me is, am I making God happy? That's how we should be in life. We're making God happy, not the world happy. Because the world's just a broken place. Our identity is not in the world. Our identity is in Christ, and, and our inheritance ain't in the world. Our inheritance is up in heaven with Jesus. But it's through God that we understand and know that we are loved. And it's through God we understand and know that our trials and our situations are just a stepping stone and building block to bring us closer to Him. 
And you got to recognize that you're a sinner. It's that simple. When life gets you like that, it should be our trials. We should recognize we're sinners. We should recognize that we failed. But it's to God's righteousness and grace, love and mercy that we are that we are renewed. That we have been redeemed because he, he showed that directly when he was on that cross and he died for our sins. And it's through our trials where we realize that, that we are loved unconditionally for God. So don't go living through life and walking through life thinking that God's against you because God's not against you. He's for you every day. And the teacher is always silent during the test. He is. The teacher's always silent during the test. He is. That's Jesus. Trust God. Know that he's there for you. Know that no matter what you go through, what situation you face, Jesus will always be there to lead you, to guide you, and to transform you. And he's not here to hurt you, but he's here to love you, to care about you, and to grow you into the person he's called you to be. Because he has a call in your life. Take it, and when you hit trials and and suffering in life, trust God. That he has a grand plan design. Trust God, for he is good. And he's always good to you. Because Jesus loves you.